Good evening, church. We are happy to be here tonight again, ready to study God's Word. We're going to Psalm 119, and we're going to continue in this series of life enrichment um, from the thought of meditation. We want to kind of finish um, meditation out, but it's going to take some time because I want us to really get into the mode of thinking about meditating and thinking on on the Word of God. So before we begin, let's go to God, please, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are magnificent and awesome, holy and true. We do praise your holy divine name and thank you. Thank you for Jesus, your great Son. Thank you for the amazing sacrifice that was made on our behalf. Thank you for being able to watch Jesus through your word, to live so humbly in total service and commitment to you. Help us, Lord God, to be like to be like your son, to be like you. Help us to be the children that you are proud of, to put a smile on your face, to honor your name. And please forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee, if it be thy will. Amen. So Psalm 119, um, there's this association between meditation and delight. So it's obvious, it's easier to think about things that you really like, that you really enjoy. So if I were to think about things that I really like and really enjoy, um, if if maybe it's a sport, a a sporting event, uh, I might be able to talk about that event for quite some time. Uh, If if it isn't a sporting event, maybe it's cooking or, or whatever it is. And I can talk about it for a while because I really enjoy this topic. I can talk about, I cannot talk about quilting duty. But you know, if I could, I would. And something I really enjoy. So meditation and delight kind of go hand in hand. So we'll start with verse 15 of Psalm 119. There the Bible says, I will meditate on thy precepts. And regard thy ways. So I will meditate on thy teachings or the principles of God. In other words, the idea of meditating on everything that revolves itself around the judgment of God, right? Uh, the desire to be, to be in a relationship with God so that when the judgment of God comes our way, there are these amazing blessings that come that God will say to us, well done, ye good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. And so we see ourselves in service to the Lord as we meditate on God's grace and mercy, His compassion, His commandments. We delight in God's blessings. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, I shall delight in thy statutes. I shall not forget thy word. The, the word delight here is, is carries the idea of um, to to skip, to skip about, to jump for joy. In other words, he's so excited about about God's word, about about God's statutes, about God's covenant, about God's blessings, about God's laws. He says, "I, I will not forget them." I mean, this is something that brings joy into his life. And what that does when you become happy about law, God's laws, God's statutes. God's commandments, it helps us to keep life in perspective. And that's difficult, right? To keep life 
in perspective, to be able to, to step away from situations of life, a matter of life, and to put things in the proper category or the categorical order that it ought to be in, to put things back into perspective instead of allowing our lives to run out of control, to run rampant. And so meditating on God's law helps us to do that because we find this inner joy in the Word of God. We find ourselves focusing on the right things instead of the wrong things. I'll give you an example. Look at verse 23. Even though princes sit and talk against me, thy servant meditates on thy statutes. So, the focus is not on what they're saying about me. And that sometimes really consumes our thoughts. You know, what what is it that people are saying about me? What do they say? I can hear them whispering. And by the way, Pat's not here tonight because he's ill. And I apologize for not mentioning that. But um, but what are they saying about about me? So instead of focusing on what people think about you and what they're saying about you or how they feel about your reaction or response to this or to that or how they feel about about your job or whatever it may be that, that involves you, instead of focusing on on their inner thoughts, Meditate on the law of God. Focus on God's word. What does God say about me? That's what's important. That's what's beneficial. That's where the blessings come. As I think about what is it that God, that God thinks about me? How does God see me? What does God think of me? Verse 24. Thy testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. Uh, I have um, often run into people who have desired uh, counsel, and they'll they'll say, "I'm going to go and ask so and so," and and the person that they choose often is someone they think is going to side with them, right? That's how we you know people like to choose counselors based on the person that I think is going to be on my team. So I want to talk to them, and God says through uh, by way of inspiration that what's important is the best counselor in the world is the word of god right because god knows us better than we know ourselves it is the mind of christ god has given to us granted to us and an understanding of life and about our own selves god has granted to us an understanding of our own minds the word of god is our counselor so what is it that god expects of me. When I look into the book of Proverbs, I love the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, the, the, these books of poetry. Uh, when I look into those books, it's amazing the depth of, of knowledge that you gain about yourself and, and humanity in general um, by through reading those books. Those books are very, very powerful. If you read them and open your heart up and open your mind up, to try to understand and ask God for His wisdom to grant you understanding. Those books are wonderful counselors in regards to life. They tell us things about all manner of life in their beautiful books to study. So you ought to go back and study. You know, the beautiful thing about Proverbs, the 31 chapters, and you can read a chapter a day, and then every month you have something to read. And, uh, of course, you'll have to catch up on the, the 31st chapter uh, throughout the year, but... 
is one chapter a day for the most part that you can read and grow from. And as you expand your knowledge and desire to learn more of God's Word, you can add the book of Ecclesiastes in there, another 12 uh, books to add to your your study. And you add the two together and you have almost uh, about 42 days or so of study, which is a month and a half. And praise God for that. But reaching into God's Word and allowing it to be your counselor and delighting, learning to delight in God's Word, this becomes a very necessary part of our lives. Lord, speak to me. And that's the key. Every day that we wake up, we should think about allowing God to speak to us, right? And throughout our day, ask God to speak to us. And He speaks through His Holy and divine word as we also speak to him through prayer. And then that delight grows, it grows, and it grows. And meditation becomes easy. You find yourself always thinking about the word of God instead of always thinking about a movie or a song or something that's a television show. We're thinking about the word of God, meditating on his word, thinking about it constantly and consistently. Look at verse 47. I shall delight in thy commandments, which I, I love. He, del- he loves God's commandments. And, and that's what makes it so easy to delight in it. I mean, there's this great desire to think about the commandments of God. And aren't they, aren't they beautiful commandments? They are, right? They're wonderful commandments because they help man to reach his highest good. And that's what God wants for us, right? Not only does it help us to reach our highest good, it helps us to reap the, some of the greatest blessings because you, you reap what you sow. And so following and loving the commandments of God helps us to, again, reach our highest good. It gives us something to strive after and to look forward to. Loving and delighting in God's Word. Do I love, do I delight in God's Word as the psalmist does? Look at verse 48. I shall lift up my hands to thy commandments, which I love. I will meditate on thy statutes. I love God's commandments. I mean, how many times do you hear that? I love God's commandments. Give me more of God's commandments. Sometimes we look at a command um, and we see the negative of the command. But the commands are blessings because they are protective mechanisms, if you will, that are placed into our heart and into our minds to steer us away from trouble. And so God's commandments are beautiful, they're pleasant. Even Jesus himself says that his load is easy, right? His load is light. Satan has a very heavy, heavy load and uh, amount of demands that he places upon us. But Jesus places a very light load on the Christian mind. If you think about it, if, if you're going to live under the, the umbrella of God, you can sum the whole thing up in one word. Love, right? That's the umbrella of God. If you're going to live under the umbrella of Satan, then you need three thoughts, if you will. You need the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the bolster pride of life. That's burdensome. The commandment of God is not 
burdensome. Rather, it's a light command. It's a light burden that Jesus places upon us. Do I love God, though, the way the psalmist loves God? Have we learned to love God enough to really love and enjoy reading His Word? Satan doesn't want us doing that. And it really doesn't become our our um, fascination to love God's Word. But I think maybe it's because sometimes it's harder to picture the to to draw the imagery into our minds, right? Because we don't ride horses and chariots, we drive in cars and, and we don't have so you know, they just it just doesn't fit in our culture and our cultural lifestyle uh, because of the era that we're living in. But if you can take just a moment to step away from the busyness of life and listen to the scriptures and think about what God describes to us when he talks about uh, walking to a home, or we may go to visit Google and and look at what it may have looked like to walk to homes in in Palestine, and the distance between the homes, and the distance to the temple, and and think about what it really means to be a sheep. You know, we are sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. What does it mean to be sheep in the midst of shepherds? And so maybe you go and you research and you you read books or you uh, you Google uh, the idea of what shepherds do for sheep and you learn and you learn about sheep and you research sheep and you learn oh sheep they go astray they do this and they do that and then goats and so I think it's imperative that as a child of God to understand God's word we have to understand the language that God is, has written his word in and delivered it to us right so we have to go back in history to understand how uh, it would be to live a an agricultural man's life and 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 be one that uh that does farming etc etc to understand what it is that jesus is saying to us and how we can become better servants and students of god's word to love god's word it's so rich it's rich with blessings just to try to understand the word love you know to try to put that in a in an image or in a picture form what does the word love, what does it look like, right? And you think about Jesus and how he walked and how he lived and the love that he showed to all of humanity. And you think about that love and that joy. And what was the expression on Jesus' face as he walked and taught? Were there times when Jesus smiled and when he laughed and when he showed tremendous joy. And then he has this, this amazing amount of inner peace. And you look into the eyes of Jesus and you say, wow, what an amazing individual. To, to learn imagery, to learn to, to make the left and right brain touch when you're reading the word of God. That's the power of God's word. And that is what will help us to love and enjoy not only God's statutes and God's commandments, but to love and enjoy meditating on God's word, so much so to where we can't get enough of it. Look at verse 70. Psalm 119 and verse 70. Their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in thy law. Their heart is covered with fat. In other words, he's saying the evil man, if you look at the context, the evil man is, is covered with all manner of evil without Without regard to God or the Word of God, they they live their lives in a, in, a, in a corrupt way 
but not your servant. He says, for your servant, this word is like my necessary food. Verse 70 again. The heart is covered with evil. Okay, it's covered with fat. But I, I delight in thy law. Here's a verse that's a contrast verse, right? So you can see on one hand, you see all this lawlessness and this, and wickedness and evil. And on the other hand, you see this person who is, who's, who's very meek and humble and, and longing and feasting on the Word of God. You see on this hand, chaos and, and trauma. And on this side, you see peace and serenity. And that's the imagery that God is trying to give us as we think about, what do I want in my life? Well, obviously, I don't want chaos, but I do want this this peace and this serenity. And so on this end, we pray, God, God, please give me, grant to your servant your compassion. How do we know God's compassionate? I mean, I know the Bible tells us God is compassionate, but when you read the Scripture, how much compassion do you see in Christ? In God, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. How many times did God um, free them, forgive them, uh, continue to love them in spite of what they were and what they'd done? And it's just absolutely amazing to think about that. I want to look at verse 77. Verse 77 says, May thy compassion come to me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Compassion. So, our very lives today are filled with the compassion and the mercy and the grace of God, right? Thank you, God, for that, for that mercy, for that compassion, for that, for that breath of fresh air, for the ability to be mobile, to, to drive safely. To, God is so full of compassion and mercy. And the world today, I know there's a lot of bad stuff, but there's so much good. I mean, every time I take a step, thank you, God, for that step, for the ability that the brain can communicate with the, the nervous system and the body and, and make me walk and the strength that I have in my legs to stand up and the eyes that I have to see and the ears that I have to hear. And there's been so many blessings just with my anatomy alone. That's incredible. And so for that reason, I thank you, God. Please, God, continue to allow me to see your compassion. Because that's important, right? If we can't see the forest through the trees, if all that we see are negative things and we never see the positives of life, we're going to miss out on so much. We only get one life to live. Can you see the beauty in this life? The beauty of relationships, the beauty of our marriages, the beauty with our children, the beauty of life. If you dwell on the negatives, life becomes chaotic like But if you dwell on the positives and you get nothing but positives from the Word of God, life is beautiful. Life really is beautiful. It's absolutely amazing. And God designed it to be that way. Look, if you will, at verse 78. Verse 78 says, May the arrogant be ashamed, for they subvert me with a lie, but I shall meditate on thy precepts. So though they sabotage me. So, should I focus on the sabotage? No. Instead, focus on God's compassion and God's mercy to rescue me from the arrogant, from those who lay traps, from those who are 
are attempting to sabotage my heart. To sabotage my life. There is a God. The only God. The true God. And our God loves us. And he's going to watch over us. And protect us. And guide us. And guard us. And save us. Because God is just so good. So to focus on the goodness of God. To focus on the goodness of God. Sit down. And I read God's word. I sit back. Maybe with my eyes closed every now and then. Just to try to picture, to picture what it is Jesus is trying to say. To picture what it is that God is saying to me. As I read through the New Testament books and I, and I see Jesus on this, on the mountain and he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And there's a, there's an audience all around and there's this, this echo and you can hear his words so clearly as if he's speaking in a microphone and God Emmanuel, God is with us. And what great joy it is to have God with us. And then to think about now stepping away from that Sermon on the Mount and that, and that, uh, if you will, that, that particular center. We come to our own lives and realize in the Christian heart, in the Christian, God is, He's still with us. God is with us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. God is helping us along the road. He's stepping with us. He's staying with us. He's protecting us. He's guiding us. He's guarding us. You see, meditating on the Word of God helps me to keep life in the right perspective. And we look for principles, not necessarily specifics. There are lots of specifics in the Bible, but there are an amazing amount of principles. And those principles are what guide us. That's how we gain an understanding of the specifics in our lives. So someone, um, you know, you say, well, what goes up must come down. Of gravity in reverse, if you will, gravity. Uh, what goes up must come down. The rock goes up, specific, the rock comes down. The bird goes up, specific, the bird comes down. The man jumped up, the man comes down. But the principle is what goes up must come down. So as you read the Word of God, look for principles of life. And when you find the principle, hold on to the principle, the principle understanding of God's protection, God's provision, God's love. And watch how God works in our lives. And you can do this from the book of Genesis. You can start there and work your way all the way into the New Testament and watch how God works in the lives of humans by principle. So there's this principle and that principle, and you just continue on in your thought. Turn to Psalm 143. I will emphasize that over and over again because that is very powerful and that is very true. So verse 5 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy doings. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch out my hands to thee. My soul longs for thee as a parched land. So here's this, this, this understanding that here's a land that is, that is desolate, that is in need, and God is there. He says, my need for God is, is, is that sure, like a deer that pants for the water brooks. But here's what's important. He thinks about, he remembers, he thinks about the goodness of God. He thinks about the days of old. He thinks about the things that God has done for him in his life. 
what has God done for you? And you go backwards and you start remembering, recounting all of the blessings and the beauty of the things that God has done for you that are good and positive and beautiful. And you meditate on those things. You meditate, you think about, you dwell on the beauty of God. On all of God's thoughts and all of God's works. All the things you've seen, all the things that you can see. The beauty of God. There's nothing more beautiful than to see an, an image of, of, you know, water with the mountains in the background, a beautiful blue sky, maybe birds in, in, in the sky as well, and, um, and animals around the, maybe the lake or river or whatever, and that beautiful reflection. And you can go on and on and on and say, wow, that's the beauty of God. The things that God has done for us and continues to do for us over and over and over again. So, meditating on God's Word is so powerful. Look at how much the psalmist loves God and His Word. He loves it. He desires it. He delights in it. Do we delight? Do we delight in the Word of God? Do we desire the Word of God as the psalmist desired God's Word? I want to go back to Proverbs uh, chapter 4. So here's what we must do. We must free our minds. Free our minds, right? That's really important to free our minds and, and guard our minds. We want to guard our minds from all manner of, of evil. We want to guard our minds so that in our minds we'll find truth and dignity. All the time. Truth and dignity. So we guard our minds and ensure that in our minds is nothing more than truth and dignity. This is important. Because what happens is, in life, we grow up and we hear things about ourselves. We, we hear, um, you're, you're too tall. You're, you're too fat. You're too short. You're too skinny. You're, you're ugly. You're, you're pretty. You're this. You're, and we begin to take ownership of some of these comments, whether they're good or bad, positive or negative. And once we take ownership of them, they become a part of our, of our heart. And we, we, we pattern our lives after the things that we believe. And so we believe, well, you're not smart enough, uh, you're, you're not good enough, or whatever it may be. We pattern our lives around this philosophy or this theory, this idea that came out of someone else's mouth. But once it enters into our minds, we have not guarded our hearts. Once it enters into our minds, it becomes ours. And once we take ownership of it, um, then, then that's what plagues our lives. So we want nothing but positives in our lives, but the reality of life is, I mean, how many times do you have to hear someone say that you're ugly before you start believing it? So we want to get rid of all the negative, right? All the negative thoughts. It's almost like allowing God to uh, do brain surgery on us and help us to get rid of all the negative stuff and then put all the positives back into our minds. That's the idea of what we're trying to do with meditating on God's Word. We want all the junk out. We want all the good stuff to stay in. That takes a concentrated effort. You have to believe the positive and the beautiful things that come from God's Word and get rid of all the other things. I mean, I don't know how many times we've heard it over and over and over again. I'm just not good enough to be a Christian, right? How many of us are good enough, <laughs> right? But then we have the other negative. I'm not good enough. Well, wait a minute. Let's step away for a moment. And let's try to see ourselves 
through the eyes of God. God didn't make junk. God doesn't make junk. It's amazing the ability that every human being possesses. It's amazing the ability that we have within ourselves. We have to free our minds of all that junk that we've learned about ourselves growing up that isn't true. Free our minds of that. Guard our minds. And at this point, only allow the good stuff to come in. So Proverbs 4, beginning at verse 20. The Bible says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their whole body. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious lips far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Okay, so the first thing that uh, wisdom says to us is incline your heart. Listen, listen to God. We've listened to everyone else. We listen to, to all the other negative people who want to bring negativity into our lives. Why not listen to God? Right? And so God says, listen to me. God, by way of inspiration, the wisdom says, don't let the word of God depart from your sight. That's verse 21. Do not allow it to depart from your sight. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Because God's word is this, like a shield. Right? And it, and it protects, and we're talking about the heart, the mind. God's word is like a shield. And it, it protects all us from, from all the evil that wants to come in and infiltrate our minds. Don't allow it to escape. Look at verse 23. Well, no, 22, excuse me. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their whole body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. And this is what it's talking about. Life. Life. What does it mean to live? I think there's a difference between the two. I think there's one, to be alive, and secondly, to live. To be alive, simply, the heart is beating and the mind is operating, even at a slow, at a slow pace, but it's operating. To live is to live life in the fullest, right? To live life and to really have the ability, the, the mental capacity, the blessing from God to see the beauty of life. What is it that God has in store for his people, for me, for you? To watch over our heart with all diligence is critical to our spiritual health. But that means you've got to do something. That means you have to put away all the things, all deceitfulness, you got to put that away from us. We don't want to become arrogant on this end and think we don't need God and we are too pretty and we are too smart and we are too this and too that, but rather be humble in our relationship with God. I think humility is, uh, is the key to Christianity. I think it's the key to life, humility. I mean, how much better does it feel when someone comes up to you and says, hey, you did, a, you did an excellent job. Thank you for that. Versus if you go around patting yourself on the back saying, boy, I sure am good at that. There's no, there's no comparison between the two. 
But if we guard our hearts and allow God's word to feed us and strengthen us and protect us and guide us and and thrill us and everything else, it's amazing the effects that God's word will have on us. And God gives us direction in this meditation. As I meditate, what am I thinking of? Let your eyes, your heart, right? Let your eyes or your heart look directly in front of you. In other words, look to Jesus. See the picture of, and I'm not talking about see the image of Jesus or or see a, a color. I'm talking about see Jesus, right? The brightness of his glory. See Jesus in your heart and in your mind and remind yourself that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And so we win this battle against evil if we stay with Jesus. So we have to remind ourselves over and over again, stay with Jesus. Safety is with Jesus. Love is with Jesus. Compassion and mercy is with Jesus. Grace is found in Jesus. Let Jesus lead you all the days of your life. How many times a day do you find yourself saying, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Jesus. I mean, something about God that's positive. Something about God that's not, not the, the, the negative things. You, you see it written everywhere and, and voiced in the hearts of so many people, the OM. and Not that. But to say Jesus and allow the power of that name, Jesus, to infiltrate your mind, to help you to focus and to fixate your mind on Jesus. And what happens is there's a path. There are two paths in life. There's the path of evil, whether it be evil comments coming my way or an evil road that we may walk on. And then there's the path of good. Where there are good words echoing from my lips and also the good that comes from it and the fruit of it. And then the good road that we follow with Jesus, the straight path to follow Jesus, to remind myself that I'm a child of Jesus. I'm a child of God. To remind myself that with Jesus, I am somebody. It doesn't matter what anyone does to me. It doesn't matter what they say about me. It doesn't matter how they treat me. I am a child of God. Jesus knows me. There's joy in knowing Jesus. To say the name of Jesus is powerful. To say it over and over again throughout the day is beautiful. It's blissful. Jesus, my heavenly King. Jesus, our God. Watch over your hearts. Where are we? Look down to verse 26. Watch the path of your feet. And all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. And why are my paths established? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And so, the, we go back to the first century and imagine there's a great persecution against the church. And you're in Philippi. And in Philippi, things are going pretty good. You know, uh, it was a wonderful evangelist that came there and he preached. And now we're all Christians. And then there's this great persecution. And you're trying to hold on to Jesus. And life, life is tough because of, because of Nero. So we're in the 60s AD. Nero is, is there. 49 AD. Nero is 80 AD. Domitian and Titus are there. Whatever, emperors, Roman emperors are there. Rome is there. And life as a Christian 
is tough. And you're trying to hold on to something. And, and the evangelist comes along and says, hold on to Jesus. Because Jesus promises and brings blessings in this life as well as the life to come. And Jesus is our all. And Jesus is everything. You can hold on to Jesus. You can count on Jesus. He will never let you down. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be there for you. Jesus. So you hold on to Jesus. And then you read this letter. Philippians, uh, please, chapter 4. We'll look at verse 4. How do you do this? Sometimes people say, when they think about the commandments of God, they think, how in the world am I going to do this? You know, rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. And and sometimes, you know, we say, I can't find a reason to rejoice. or Or I can't find anything to rejoice over because my life is in misery. I'm struggling right now. We're in COVID. We're locked up in our homes. And can you find just a glimmer of hope? Can you find just a tiny reason to rejoice? Let, let's think about a few as we meditate together on this thought. Rejoice in the Lord. So first of all, it's in the Lord. It qualifies itself. The statement is qualified by saying in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne. And every day, this, you know, Jeremiah gives us this indicator. It says that as long as the, uh, the covenant of day and night come, you know Jesus is on the throne. Okay. Well, we've had almost a whole day. What have we learned this whole day? What have we, what have we been reminded of all day long? That Jesus is in complete and total control. He's sitting on the throne. He may be standing on the throne looking down. I mean, I don't know. But he's on the throne. He's in complete and total control. I can rejoice over that. Jesus said, First Peter chapter 1, There is a heaven reserved for you. I can rejoice over that. I can rejoice over my, again, back to my anatomy. I can rejoice over God's blessing. I can rejoice over the anatomy of my family. Thank you, God. I have a roof over my head. There's food in my... So we can start with those elementary and very important aspects of life. And we can start looking around our home and saying, Look, I have somewhere to sit. I have somewhere that's warm. You can look at every aspect of your life and find beauty. Instead of dwelling on... On, on the COVID situation or you in the first century dwelling on the Roman army coming your way. Rejoice always. Can you find one thing to rejoice over today? And whatever that one thing is, I encourage you to thank God for that in your prayers tonight. Thank you, God, for this. And maybe there's only one thing that you can find to rejoice over today. But... Take that one thing and rejoice over it and thank God for it and meditate on that positive blessing and gift that the Lord has brought into your life. So, verse 5 says, Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. 
I love that verse there because what it tells us is everything comes in seasons, right? God is near. God is nearer today than he was yesterday, meaning the end. My, my demise, the end of my life in this world is nearer. Is nearer than it was yesterday. But I also know that Jesus is closer to my heart. Every day that I grow in Christ, Jesus is closer in my heart. I rejoice in the fact that Jesus is closer to me. Draw nigh unto me, he says. I'm thankful to God that he's blessed me. Have you ever thought about the kind gift of God to open up your heart to cause you to surrender to Jesus in the waters of baptism? I mean, I'm so excited about that. The very thought that Jesus softened my heart. Whatever was, whatever was necessary, my heart was softened. And I was willing to surrender to Jesus in baptism. My heart, my heart wasn't hardened. It was hardened for a while, but then it, it became soft and I surrendered to Jesus. I'm so thankful, God, thank you for saving me. And then the very next verse. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Shall we just cut that verse out? <laughs> just maybe line out some of it? No, he's telling us. I am so concerned about you that I want to know everything about you. And Jesus is, is begging us to open our hearts up to him and, and tell him. Tell him what's on our heart. Tell him what is on our mind, what is troubling us. Talk to God in prayer. Study his word. Grow in your relationship with the Lord. Make it known to God. Tell God. Lift up those supplications. Remember to find that thanksgiving in your heart and let your requests, let them be made known to God and God will do something for us. Self-talk. He'll bless us. As we talk to God, you'll find this amazing peace that will come over you because you believe, right? You believe that Jesus is truly going to take care of you and that you are talking not to the air, but rather you are talking to the God of the universe who's responding to our prayers. That's something to be thankful about. That's something to meditate about. As the Bible says, it's like a fragrance, fragrant incense, if you will, going up to heaven and God's receiving our prayers. Make it known to God and God will give you this amazing peace that surpasses all comprehension and and look at verse 7 and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus so in closing the man over here that's the last slide this is a duty and the the man over here is is living in chaos and and trauma in his life and the man over here is living in peace because of Jesus. Not because of himself. Not because he's any different than the guy over there. The only difference is he's a child of God and he's striving to do what's right. But they both live in the same world. They're both struggling with, with COVID right now. They're both struggling with their other problems in life, right? But the difference is the man of God is constantly reaching out 
to Jesus. And you might say, well, wait a minute. Um, maybe I'm not reaching out as much as I should. Well, there's no qualifier. God didn't, God didn't say that one should be able to reach out better than others. But just you're doing your very best to reach out to Jesus. And what if you weren't reaching out to Jesus? You'd be a mess. You say, well, preacher, I'm already a mess over here. Well, okay, but if you were over there, you'd be ten times worse. Meditate on that. Think about the great power of God, the kindness of God, the mercy of God, the blessings of God, the goodness of God, the word of God, the love that God has for us, putting life back into perspective, not forgetting what God has done for us, meditating on the teachings of God's word, delighting in the word of God, finding, if you will, in your mind, in your heart, this satisfaction to where the word of God is, has become and is your necessary food. And yet, I don't want to live over here in evil. But rather, I just want to live over here doing what's right and good in the sight of God. But I cannot do it without Jesus. Thank God for his blessings. Thank you for your time uh, this evening. If you are not a Christian, we would like to uh, invite you, as God does, to surrender to Jesus in the waters of baptism. Um, and if you are a child of God and you're struggling in your life, we invite you to uh, ask for prayers. And you can send your information, your request, uh, to the information behind us. And uh, God willing, we will be able to uh, get to you as soon as possible. And God's will will be done. God bless you and thank you for your time.